This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and a writer, and my new book is called Find Your Happy at Work. And I am excited about today's show because our guest is career expert Carrie Hannon. Of course, Carrie is a good friend of mine, and we always have fun together. But more important for you, Carrie is a prolific and very popular author. She's a frequent speaker, and she's a media star. And back in 2017, she was our very first guest on Jazzed About Work, and listeners are still downloading that episode. Today, on Carrie's fifth visit here, we'll be talking about her brand new book, In Control at 50 Plus, How to Succeed in the New World of Work. Carrie will talk about some of the ways the workplace has changed forever. She'll explain how some employers are now recognizing that older workers rock. And she'll describe how people of all ages can shift their career paths by redeploying their skill sets. Carrie, I am so excited to have you back today, and I am looking forward to talking about your new book, In Control at 50, How to Succeed in the New World of Work. But before we get into the book, I want to hear a little bit about your own world of work. It sounds like you've got an exciting new job and you're as busy as you've ever been. Can you tell us about what you're up to? (laughs) Well, thank you for asking, Bev, and also for the kind invitation to be on once again with my favorite podcaster. Um, I actually am walking the walk for older workers here. I I worked, uh, as you know, uh, in-house for about 20 years in my career. Then I ran my own business for 20 years. And starting in January of, of 2022, I took a full-time job at Yahoo Finance as a senior columnist, and I am having a blast. It is just such an exciting new platform. It's really expanded uh, the people I can reach, the topics I can write about. And in addition to that, um, which I always tell workers of all ages, but particularly older workers, Um, Make sure you have a great LinkedIn profile because that's how the recruiter for Yahoo found me and and gave me the opportunity to uh, to try this out and see how it goes. So so far, it's been really fabulous. Uh, And also, I'm still able to do uh, my speaking opportunities and write books, as we're going to talk about today and do some of the other things that have given me the flexibility in my own working life, which I had as an entrepreneur and as running my own business. So it's kind of the best of both worlds at the moment, and I'm kind of pinching myself. Well, it sounds fabulous. I think that you were probably the most successful person. I actually know with this kind of media business, you were everywhere, the New York Times, AARP, television, podcast, everywhere. And you seem to have more work than you can possibly do. So your business was a success. So having that kind of success on your hands, when you first heard from the recruiter through LinkedIn, was your um, initial um, sense to, oh, you know, how can I give this all up? What was, how did it feel to get 
um, that call or that email? You know, one, it was flattering. Uh, two, it was a little bit like, well, I mean, am I ready uh, to be open to something new? Because I was pretty, not saying my world was was ever steady as, a, as running my own business, as you know, it, it never is. But um, it just, I don't know, it came at the right time coming out of the pandemic when I really had a chance to uh, think about the kind of work I do and my mission and then people I reach. It just seemed like a, a fresh thing, like not just keep doing the same old thing I had been doing. Now, it did give me pause, like the fear of losing my flexibility and autonomy, which is something workers at, at in my age category and probably younger, really, we really want this in our working lives and the pandemic uh, sort of reinforced that. So I did pause a bit about that, but they were so accommodating. They were, let's work this job description around what you want to do. And they were open to negotiating the flexibility for me. And you know what, Bev, I, I, I must say you and I had several discussions about this along the way, is that you helped me see that you know, nothing is, is really forever. And what there was no harm in giving it a shot, right? And just stepping out. And it's not like if it weren't, to, if it didn't work out, which it is working out, but if it didn't, it's not going to ruin my career, right? <laughs> yes, yes. You still have a base and all of your experience and your strengths, that's what you carry around with you. And so the real security is all the things you can do, right? And yeah, and the thing is, it, it, what's fun is that it is a little scary, like you alluded to, and it did ramp up my adrenaline and it, and my learning curve. I, I did have to learn some new technology, which I'm always telling people, make sure you're up to speed with all the new things. So I did have to step it up and learn some new ways of communicating. And 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 I first, you know, I had this instinct to push back and I'm like, uh-uh, nope, nope, embrace it, embrace it. And, and working with younger, younger uh, members of my team and things, it's just been so energizing. But it is that little bit of the unknown, that little bit of the fear factor that I think is is gives me that shot of adrenaline every morning that maybe was starting to become a little more routine um, in recent years. So you really are walking your talk. And one of the things I've heard you talk about is that what's been happening here in our workplace, the worldwide workplace, I guess, is a lot more than what people were calling in 2021, the the great resignation. How, how do you describe what this big shift is? Yeah, you know what? Resignation is such a negative word, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a resigning, a stepping back, a withdrawing. Oh, come on. This is really a time, especially for workers over 50 uh, coming out of the pandemic, to reimagine your work. To, and I think that's what happened, Bev. I think people, uh, when we were at home, uh, kind of in lockdown, just you know, not going into the office and working remotely and all of those things where we were cut off from our community and things. I think everyone had this time to pause and think about what really matters to them. It was scary. The virus really, we lost people we loved. We were afraid of, we didn't know what it was. And and everyone started to, and I, I certainly did, what really matters. And so when people stepped out of the workplace during the pandemic, either by choice uh, or taking an early retirement package, or they were laid off. A lot of them, you know, this this sort of resignation part of it that everyone, ta- you know, t- 
touts up. It wasn't, look at all these people that retired, millions of people or resigned, you know, or women in particular. A lot of them are just reimagining what's their next chapter and how they can make that pivot. And so I look at it that way. And and I see also, um, I think the most recent statistics from an economist I really like, Nick Bunker at Indeed, was that of the people who re- were retired a year ago, 3.2%, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it actually is, are now back at work again. So I think people took a re- early retirement or they resigned and they're stepping right back in, but they're finding work that matters to them that they can embrace and love and maybe be a little scared like I am. <laughs> so another um, statistic that I've been seeing different places lately, and I can't remember the exact numbers, that actually they seem to vary, but a lot of people who resigned from one job and went to another job found that the grass isn't necessarily greener and they either moved on again pretty quickly or they went back to their first employer and renegotiated. So it is, I think one thing that we've all learned is that we this idea of a job is something you had forever and was your security. That's that's changed a good bit. And, and now there's uh, uh, a continuing reimagining and people are going back and saying, you know, that job wasn't so bad. I just needed X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go back there. Now I understand what X, Y, and Z is and, and renegotiate. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I think it's super interesting, Bev. And it's, uh, you know, this whole boomerang uh, phenomenon, which I, I really have been following just as you have. I think it's fascinating. And that's exactly what happens. But workers uh, coming back to, first of all, if you never burn a bridge, which I certainly never have. When I started my own business, my first clients were all the people I'd always worked for in the past. You know, the Forbes is USA Today. Yeah. USA. And that's the key. When you do that resignation, you step away from the job or you transition to another job. If you can leave on good terms, you leave that door open. And I do see a lot of people going back, but particularly in this tight labor market where there are two jobs open for every unemployed person right now, you have some some marketing power. You have some real power to go back to an old employer and say, you know what, this is the part of it. This is what I'd like to do more of a less of. And they need you. They need experienced workers who can step in right now and get the job done. And I think that you have that in your back pocket, that if you have that negotiation ability to go back and really see how can we make this a win for both of us? And again, as you always tell your your clients and I uh, write about a lot, it's not about you. It's about them. So you, you still have to go back to yeah. that employer and say, this is how I think I can make, you know, what I do for you more, uh, uh, more uh, powerful to you can make your business better. I can be a better asset to your company by doing it. This doing this does that does that make sense to you? It it makes sense. There's some things that haven't changed, uh, and and you illustrate that with your shifts. Um, relationships really matter. Having a big positive network that's varied and expansive that really matters, and always thinking entrepreneurial in an entrepreneurial way. I'm sure you're doing that in Yahoo, just like you were doing it when you really were in your business full-time. You're always looking for a way to add value, to invent something that they need. So that hasn't changed. But Carrie, I want to get to your book because uh, some things really have changed, even though 
we're still in flux. There's some there's some big trends that are are real and continuing. And I think one of the ways your book is helpful is you've talked about some of the shifts that people really have to understand if they're going to thrive in the workplace. You want to tell us what some of those um, those enduring workplace changes are? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> that is my, you know, really my favorite thing is I, it was such fun uh, writing this book uh, in control of 50 plus, you know, how to succeed in the new world of work, because I identified the trends that I saw coming out of this, uh, the pandemic, because our workplace was profoundly changed by this experience, by those two plus years. And we're still going through this. I mean, things are not going back the way they were. And um, individual workers and employers have all been profoundly impacted by this shift. And these are the five big trends that I identify. There are probably others, but these are the main ones. And the fact is, Bev, many of these had started pre-pandemic, but because of the the um, the shift in how we had to uh, kind of make our way through these last couple of years, they really, it was pedal to the metal acceleration. So we've seen them, they were starting out, but boom, they've taken off. The number one is remote work, okay? Remote work is here to stay. The genie's out of the bottle. Employers have figured out that uh, workers are productive and um, they are performing uh, just as well, if not better than they ever did in-house. And it's a cost saver for them. And this used to be something that was a huge perk, right? We had to beg our bosses to let us work at home. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, are you really working? And this sort of suspicious attitude. But in fact, now it's quite common and it's just burst open the workplace for so many workers to be able to work remotely. And just quickly, I'll add, I think it's great for older workers because it does a lot to fight ageism when you're not front and center standing next with somebody two decades younger than you with maybe you have some wrinkles, some gray hair, whatever. It's subliminal, but you may not be given the the next assignment, the plum job. It, nobody does that on purpose. But I think that there is an ageist message that, that in the workplace, if you're right front and center, it can come through. And when you're just being judged not by your cover, it's amazingly uh, powerful for for older workers. And second, if you have a mobility issue that keeps you um, from, you know, commuting is hard or your employer doesn't have a workspace that's retrofitted for you. And being able to work from home really just opens that up and makes the possibilities for continuing to work even better. Second trend, entrepreneurship. You and I talked about this a lot. It's really, again, started pre-pandemic, but has taken off for the 45 plus set. Uh, and I think it's fabulous. Uh, again, that's part of reimagining that we just talked about. The third thing is career transition. Huge. Used to be, oh my gosh, you're an outlier. What a risk taker. And, you know, in the book, What's Next? Uh, Follow Your Passion and Find Your Dream Job that you were a big part of with me. Uh, that uh, definitely, um, it was for people who were for really, uh, you know, they were bold and brave. But today it's becoming, coming out of the pandemic, this is a big deal. Again, back to reimagining your work. And contract work has taken off. That's the fourth trend. Again, I think that has pluses and minuses. We can dig into that for uh, workers over um, between the ages of 50 and 65 or young, wait, I should say up to 65. If you need health insurance, employer provided health insurance or an employer provided retirement account, when you don't get benefits from a contract job, that can be a red flag. And the yeah. final thing, which is I love, I love, it's lifelong learning. And that's, 
virtual learning just exploded and, and just, I think it's fabulous for everyone. Learning is um, something that employers are really thinking about, aren't they? They're very interested in um, providing opportunities for people to build the skills they need. We're, we're much more aware these days, aren't we, of, of what the skills in the workplace are, which ones are hot, and how you can keep getting them no matter what your age is. Well, you can in the access to uh, virtual training, which is not, you don't have to go get a master's degree. You don't have to spend gobs of money. You can dip in and, and pick up a certificate for a certain uh, technical skill you need. Or, you know, there's Get Set Up, which is fun. It's a neat platform for adult learning. But all the, you know, the open universities that it all started with Coursera and things like that. And that so in um, edX, some of those great ones that, you know, are free or for a small amount. But Google has done a lot. LinkedIn has some wonderful learning uh, on its platform. So there's lots of ways if you just explore around a little to keep fresh. But what you need to do if you're job searching is look at uh, people who have the kind of job you're looking for and see what skills they have and make sure you have them or what the job posts are asking for. So brush up a bit. and uh, that's. But it's easier than ever uh, to do just that. And I also think employers themselves are paying more attention to the need to retain their good and experienced workers. And they are starting to offer work development for an older worker versus just going to the younger worker. And that's a significant change. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or environmental studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash school. Let's note that ageism is not dead, right? That it is um, still out there. Um, are there... Um, any areas or any ways that you see ages, ageism popping up that people should be alert to? Well, you know, you're right, Bev. I mean, ageism is alive and well in the workplace. And it, it, this, it's, in, it's in our culture and it's global. It's not just in the U.S. It's everywhere. And there's, you know, it's so difficult to push back against. But I will say this, as more boomers are moving through the pipeline, um, we're more sensitive to it. And I think we are demanding change and demanding uh, respect in a way that, that didn't happen before. I do see the fact that uh, as a, if you look at the demography of it all, the population, we don't have as many, it's not a growing workforce. We don't have as many younger workers coming up. And so employers are starting to get hip to this and they're understanding. And if they haven't already, they're going to that they need to keep older workers on board and 
um, they're going to have to find more ways to retain them, offer more flexibility, more opportunity to stay current with technology and anything that relates to the field. So these changes are small baby steps, but it is happening. And in fact, it's going to have to happen more, but it does start at the top. I often see, you know, it's the CEO who is older, like say he's 60, but he says, I'm not old, but you are, you know, it kind of, and so when you're looking, yeah. at companies, you know, look at companies, look how they market themselves. What do they have only young people vibrant on their web, on their homepage, on their website? You can find little signals of what, you know, if there is agents kind of lurking, but I'd say, you know, everyone, it's up to us to keep pushing that envelope and pushing back and calling people out on it. If, if you think it's an ageist thing, just say it out loud. Don't bury it. Well, the other thing we can do, which is what you do and what you made yourself do when you made this transition, is you can be very aware of uh, new technologies, new ways of doing things, and you can stop yourself from saying, no, that's not how we do it. That That's a big thing, I think, for a lot of people to, to embrace this willingness to do things in new ways is, is pretty important. I think it's such, that's so true, Bev. You really hit on something because I did that myself. Okay. I, I started to mention that earlier is that in yeah. this job at Yahoo Finance, um, this sounds, it might sound very minor to, to your listeners, but uh, my editor said, you know, we write in Google Docs and everything we do is in Google Docs. I said, well, that's great, but I don't. And I work in Word <laughs> and, um, and I'll send it to you in Word and then you can put it. No, she said, that's not how it works, Gary. We write in Google Docs. So I was like, well, this is how I've always done it. And it's always worked for me. And in this, I'm saying this to myself. I didn't say this out loud. Yes. <laughs> Good. I, I realized I had to get with it and I couldn't be a whining, you know, do all the things I tell uh, workers over 50 uh, not to do. So I'm like, oh, come on, care, step it up. So I knew a friend of mine who you actually know also who's been, a, I, I think he's been on your show, Mark Miller um, uh, from yeah. Retirement. And Mark, um, I knew Mark had made the switch to Google Docs a number of years ago and he said he loved it. So I, I emailed him. I said, hey, hey, I need help. So he did a screen share with me and he did a whole tutorial and walked me through Google Docs. And he said, if you have any questions, call me, email me, whatever. I'll, we'll jump on and do this again. And you know what? Just him doing that gave me the confidence to just step it up. And I never complained. I just adjusted. I adjusted. Was it easy? No, but I did it. Yeah. And I think all of the um, defensiveness, which we you kept in your own head, um, is, is kind of natural when you're in a situation that's stressful and a new job is stressful. So even people who are flexible sometimes want to say, no, I can't do one more new thing. But a big part of uh, thriving in the workplace is kind of taking well, a walk, if that's what it takes, yeah. kind of calming down and trying again. And one thing you always talk about, Bev, and I actually, I think I have you uh, quoted in my new book on talking about learning, but but, you know, the thing is, if you can somehow carve out a little time in your life to learn something new, even if it's not related to your work, you might find that it does help your work in some way. And we all think, oh, we don't have time to do it. We don't have time. But but if it's just one class, you're not signing up for a whole certificate or a whole degree or anything like that. Just add one thing in and see 
you see how that sort of recharges you in a way. And I know that's a huge piece of what you advise people. And, and I've really embraced that as well. Yeah, it, it recharges you. It's kind of exciting uh, when you start to learn something. It's It feels like a, a victory. But also, when you are learning something, your mindset actually changes. There's, there's research around this that if you're in a learning mode, you're kind of more creative, you're more open to new ideas, you spot connections that um, you might not otherwise spot. So learning in any field of your life, learning uh, about your hobby or, or, you know, taking Spanish on the, on the weekend or whatever you're doing, it can have some impact on how you present yourself at work. Now, there are a lot of things that we older workers have to do to stay in touch and stay flexible and all of those things. But in your book, you also pointed out that um, there are... Uh, not only employers, but there are communities, there are states like Colorado that have noticed that there's some things that older workers um, do well, uh, like, oh, surviving a pandemic, maybe as an example. You want to talk a little bit about how there, in addition to the lingering ageism and our need to go with the flow, there is a growing awareness of some benefits of having older workers in the mix. Well, without, without question, Bev, and, and Col- thanks for mentioning Colorado, because they have a wonderful uh, program out there that they're working. The state is very involved, the governor with employers in the state and others to really uh, link employers with uh, older workers and understanding the benefits of having them on the team. And it's really solved a pro- an employment uh, problem on, on several levels, and it's still you know really moving forward. Um, and one thing I would say here is that especially coming out of the pandemic, one of the things in this tight labor market that I alluded, that I mentioned earlier is that um, employers realize that younger workers have, have come up with this. They now know that because of remote work and virtual um, opportunities and that they can work from anywhere, they can work globally. And they, if they onboarded during the pandemic, they don't have that uh, remotely. They don't have that sort of loyalty that you might have to a company. They're they're changing jobs faster than they ever did. So if they see a better opportunity and employers are realizing that the older worker is probably not going to be so quick to jump that they will probably stick around a little bit longer, that they really um, are there more for the long haul. They're not going to you know, be tempted so easily to, they tend to feel really uh, passionate and uh, engaged with the mission of an employer and so forth. So I think that they see that loyalty is a good thing. This, this thing that you mentioned is absolutely true. A great study um, came uh, to my attention while I was writing the book, talking about how older workers or older individuals just got through the pandemic with less mental stress than someone who was younger. Because you know what? We've seen this before. We've got not this exact thing, but we've been through, there was 9-11, there have been recessions. We've kind of rolled with the punches and we know that we do come out the other side. Yes, things are a bit different, but there is this sort of uh, resilience and understanding that, that things aren't, you're knocked down, not, you know, knocked down, forever that there is this rhythm to the way things happen in the world so i do think that that piece was enormous for employers looking at somebody who has this sort of 
um, ballast in the workplace is super important. So the loyalty, the sort of mental ballast, the ability to get things done, to know how to solve problems. It's not reinventing the wheel all over again. It's like, yeah, I've seen this, I've done this. And so the, in their ability, people say, oh, well, they don't really want to work with younger people. That's so not true. It's just this wonderful energy that comes with working with somebody younger. I mean, I think in my situation, my editor may be 20 years younger than me. I haven't actually asked her, but that's my guess. And it's just a blast, you know, because she's so smart and I totally respect her and vice versa. And when you feel valued, it's amazing how well uh, you connect to your work and you work even harder and produce a, a product that, that everyone's proud of. I love um, any kind of environment, uh, whether it's a board or a party or a, a workplace, where there are people from lots of generations and a, and a lot of diversity, but they're all kind of mixing it up together. It can be a wonderful way for everybody in the room to keep growing and um, learning from one another. And uh, that does seem to be happening much more in the workplace than I've ever seen before. This this mix is uh, really intriguing and can be a lot of fun to be part of. Uh, let, let me, before we run out of time, because we you and I can talk for a long time, as we know, but I, there's one thing I want to touch upon, you know, focusing on your book again and on the um, uh, older workers that I, I find kind of encouraging. There were a couple of... Um, uh, ideas for how older workers can get back to the job market or kind of make a shift that that I wasn't familiar with. Uh, the, the, the two that you talked about that I found so intriguing is that sometimes it's possible to find and I think maybe even create um, a, a returnship. And the other one was a temporary assignment. Could you just tell us a little bit about those two mechanisms that I think might be interested to people who are out there who are thinking about making a shift. Right. I, there's an increasing number of these returnships out there, and it's become, and especially actually for, for women, and it, I will say women, but because we, who stepped out of the workplace during the pandemic for caregiving, either for aging uh, relatives, parents, and so forth, or for kids um, that really are saying, come on, hey, uh, come back in and you know, for you know, Snyder Electric is one company that does it. There's another group called iRelaunch that does it. There's if you can you can do a search or uh, or pick up my book or whatever that there's a I have a list of some of the other ones who do this and it's uh, there are more of them and big companies like Goldman Sachs and so forth have had these kind of programs that allow you kind of to step in. Uh, almost they're paid and but you uh, come in for maybe six months to nine months and you have an opportunity to, to make it into a full-time thing, but at the very least you've brushed up your skills and you got your resume rolling again. The the other thing that, that you mentioned is um, working on sort of these project-based things. And that's where contract work can be fabulous because uh, it, there's more and more, if you go to the, a lot of the job boards, how to have them or companies themselves on their websites, the jobs are for, you know, project-based or, you know, for six months or three months, or you jump in to do one particular thing. And this can be fabulous as a way to get inside the gate, you know, to have, it's kind of like a trial run. They see what you do. You see if you like the environment of the company and the kinds of work they do. And it's a nice way of kind of testing each other out, keeping your resume alive, uh, but also uh, getting you back, back to work and back, um, 
in a way that is not hard for a company because they're not taking the risk of hiring you full time. And it's also not hard for you because you're not making this momentous decision about I'm only I'm going to go take this thing, but you're keeping yourself open to other opportunities as well as you kind of seek out what matters to you right now and what how do you envision your working life moving forward? It might not be the you know, the, the huge, you know, commitment, time commitment you once had, it depends on where you are in your life and, and what act you're in. And, and having a new act and including project work and short-term projects and things like that, that overlaps with another um, phenomenon, which you've written about a lot, and I'm glad you touched upon it uh, in, in the book. And, and that is that, um, Midlife entrepreneurs are thriving these days. The old image that um, starting a business was just for the young, that is that is not the case. There are a lot of uh, successful older workers who've decided to create their own business again. And, and, and that is another way uh, that you can do things as a bridge, if you want, just to kind of try it out and then do what you did, go back to the workplace. It's, it's a pretty positive development out there, isn't it? Yeah, and you can keep it as a side hustle as well if you decide to go back in-house. It's so important because today you don't need bricks and mortar to, uh, to run your own shop. You can do it right from your home computer. It can be not that expensive to launch a, a business in terms of you want to have a website probably. It's a couple thousand dollars maybe max. You could probably do it really on the uh, on the low key if you, depending if you know somebody who can help you get set up. But um, you can run your business. You can have a virtual helpers. You don't have to hire uh, a whole employee staff to help you run your business. You can have a virtual bookkeeper come zipping in to help you once a month or a virtual assistant to help you with your emails. Someone, a virtual social media to have someone to help you with your social media. So, but these can be just because we've got this exploding contract workforce, take advantage of that. It can really help uh, starting a business at this stage in life. And it's so exciting because I just think um, I'm not saying everyone's starting the next Uber. These are micro businesses. Yeah, they might grow into something significant, but they don't have to. It can be just your chance to do something you've always wanted to do. But again, Bev, as you know, key questions to ask before you spend too much time and money is why me, why this product or service, and why now? I mean, these are hard questions. They involve some serious uh, inner MRI and some soul searching here because um, why start something if there isn't really a market for it? Who's going to buy what you're offering? So be honest with yourself and understand, you know, the marketplace and the financial obligations and your own financial situation because you might not pay yourself initially uh, when you start a business so you need to be financially fit as I like to talk about. Well your book is full of tips for people who are thinking about making a shift whether it's changing jobs or starting a business or um, going back to their old job whatever. I'm just going to repeat the title again one more time. In Control at 50 Plus How to Succeed in the New World of Work. It's an upbeat but very practical book. And uh, uh, I always love your books, you know, because they're so useful and they're good reads too. So congratulations on this new one, Carrie. And thanks so much for coming back to tell us about it. Thank you, Bev. It's such such a delight to be with you and for all your expertise, which I also feature in the book. 
Today, we've been talking with Carrie Hannon about how you can reshape your career in the post-pandemic workplace. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that if you want to shift careers, start by listing all your skills and strengths, and then do some research to identify different kinds of situations where they might be valuable. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends and your followers, too. Thank you.